Welcome to episode 126 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. <sighs> yeah. All right. Listen. I know. Before we do this. I know. Because I am not wearing waterproof mascara. I know. <laughs> uh, let's get into, let me tell you some other things first. Let's get into the, some other short housekeeping, basically. Okay. Right now, we are 177 votes between Henry Cuellar and Jessica oh Cisneros. Oh, my God. Please, Cisneros, On please. Tuesday, that awful day in Texas Ugh. was also a primary day. And poor Jessica Cisneros has to put a video out that night saying, you know, it, basically it looked, she had been crying because Ugh. of this awful shooting in Texas. And um, I'm, like, so tired she and said, overwhelmed uh, today that just even you saying yeah, that makes me Yeah, she said, cry. you know, we're, it's still too close to call. So here we are on Saturday what, four days later, they're still recount. They're still doing the votes. It's not a recount. They're counting the provisional ballots, the military ballots, all of those things. 177 votes is too close to call. Although, Henry Cuellar that night oh, yes. declared he won. I mean, <laughs> I saw that and I was and, like, what a pompous, yeah. arrogant, but male thing to do. The only person calling it. The election uh, supervisor has not called it. <laughs> Jessica Cisneros has not seceded. Good, I hope um, she doesn't. So we are... We are not, this is not over. And so we are going to continue to monitor that and root for her. And, and, and I, I guarantee you, even if they call it, she will ask for a recount and it will not be declared until they do the recount. So I let's mean, just keep so our hopes close. up. Because some votes is so close. The other thing that, you know, I didn't get into because at the time when I, when we made that, when we did that recording of that episode two weeks ago, um, because I covered Henry Cuellar and that he was yes. the last, he's the last pro-life Democrat in the floor, in the um, U.S. House. What I didn't cover is that he's also has an A-plus rating from the NRA. Oh. So in Texas right now, nice. that's really, well, actually nice. anywhere in the country is not a good thing. Nice. So I'm, I failed to mention that, but I think that's kind of something that's really important at this point to mention that this is a Democrat with an A-plus rating from the NRA from South Texas, but I don't give a fuck. You're a Democrat. Yeah, I'm um, done. And I'm also done. is pro-life. I'm so done. Henry Cuellar does not deserve to be a part of this no. party. And that's the end of that fucking shit. Yeah. Done with that. So let's keep sending good vibes and ask oh, the universe please, please, to get please. find these votes for Jessica Cisneros. And uh, let's, let's make sure she gets fucking elected. God. Because progressives are the future. Young progressives are the future of this fucking party. Period. The end. Yes. Um, I want to, speaking of the party, I want to say something that my friend Simon said this week that made me laugh really fucking oh, hard. what? He said that the Democratic Party is basically <laughs> an old, dusty circle jerk of pointlessness. Ooh. And I really could not Ooh. stop laughing. I thought it was one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard. Yeah, he's very progressive, <laughs> he's which very I love. very progressive. Which I love. I mean, he... The, yeah, Bernie bro. We, although yeah. he thinks Bernie's had his due and probably yeah, should, I mean, a little old at the time. But like... Still, I thought that was very funny and the most perfect description of the party. An old, dusty, dusty <laughs> circle jerk of pointlessness. <laughs> and he's right. Um, anyway, so that's that. We had a gala that we were really excited about <gasps> oh last Saturday. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which, again, I know we're going to have a long discussion in a minute, but can we just please enjoy for a moment that we had a fabulous Ugh. fucking time last Saturday I before mean, this madness. an amazing time. And, and, and uh, the accolades go to, all to oh. Alfredo. 
absolutely alfredo I mean, planned that from top to top bottom top to bottom beautiful it could not have been more perfect absolutely wonderful amazing. and it was what i said last week like once it kicks off it'll start going we sat next to each other at the same uh, table which is amazing my friend aaron aaron uh, was, was able to fabulous I you love him stunning oh so stunning. did you thank you With and my, you had my, an outfit change i did i <laughs> Which, by the way, I was like, once someone, someone goes, don't you have another dress? We're at the after party. Like, so someone said, don't you have another dress? I go, oh, yeah. And I was, then I was like, do I? I was do a little it. hesitant. I'm like, should I do it? I went to my car. You should have seen me in my car trying to un unzip that dress. <laughs> I was like getting my arm out, like twisting oh it, unbuckling it, zipping it. It was in mat. It was it was a little it, there should have been a fucking camera on that car <laughs> anyway i came in and the dress was a hit like that it was, was it was fucking awesome gorgeous so everybody was like gorgeous <laughs> fabulous dancing uh, i love white women dancing drunk white oh, women dancing and my is husband my, my husband because i showed him because you know had the, the like these um the wings, fringe the fringe yeah and he goes oh she looks like an irish elvira <laughs> and he goes and then he oh. he said uh elvira but with this irish accent he, he was like uh, she's a you know i, I I laugh so hard. That should be my roller derby name. Oh, Irish Elvira. Irish Elvira. <laughs> I actually have one. I always say my my roller derby name is going to be Sunshine Goth. <laughs> I like that. Because I love that. Um, but dang, I was going to say something. Oh, oh so when listening to that's okay. Listening to the last episode, we had mentioned Sara Leonardi oh. and Nancy Fry getting awards. And then we get there and the Justin Flippin Leadership Award oh. goes to our dear, dear, dear friend and, and the podcast most supporter. Amazing, most yeah, amazing. Supports our podcast, Sabrina yes. Javiana Sabrina. from Hallandale. Hallandale Beach. She's fucking incredible. And so I was she listening to last week and I was like, oh my God, we didn't mention Sabrina. Oh my God. Sabrina, oh. I am just like the other women that we talked about oh, last God. week. Just so in awe of her. Yes. She's I incredible. I wish at, at her age, I yeah. had the uh, ability, like the intelligence. Yes. And just the strength and the courage to yes. to do what she, I mean, she sits on that dais. Yeah. With toxic you know, people. These, toxic. these people. Yeah. And, and she's young and wow. She's incredible. Wow. Youngest, youngest elected wow. uh, city commissioner in the state of Florida ever. She's it's, incredible. It's so she's 20, she was 21 years old when she got elected. 21. And you wouldn't even know it. She's 21, but she, when she starts talking about the issues, you're like, she sounds like a seasoned veteran who's been I around know. forever. I know. I'm and like, man, me at 21, also, I was very like, progressive. What, where, what, ha what's mm. happening? Where am I going? She's passed incredible, <laughs> incredible ordinances in the oh city. Oh my God. Paid maternity Historic. Yeah, maternity, paid maternity leave, I believe was one of them. Um, oh. It's incredible. We she's, need she's Sabrina Javiana's on every board yeah. across this country she definitely deserve that that justin flippin leadership yes. award so congratulations sabrina yes and everyone who received an award and for the dolphin yes. democrats for the board for alfredo there especially you pulled off a oh fucking incredible event everybody loved it i mean and drag like, show and the details oh the details yeah that the the, the the time the minute details it's all of those tiny details mm -hmm. that make it amazing mm -hmm. and there is no one like Alfredo who mm. thinks of every possible thing to make it perfect. Yeah, it was it's, amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Listen, people, you know, political dinners are usually like, here's your rubber chicken, bye. Like, here's uh, yes. your book. I buy an ad, here's your book. And it's like yeah. boring as fuck. This, this was, was not, like yeah. a show, honey. It was run. <laughs> it was run. It was amazing. So 
and we were a part of it, which I think, you know, congratulations to us too, by the way. <laughs> we did a lot of work for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I it got to the point where I, I get like an I email. I, I mean, I, like two days, well, let's see. You like, did a lot. Like I think Tuesday, or maybe it was, I don't know, it was Wednesday night maybe? No, Thursday night. I got a text from Alfredo. I just gone back from the Phoebe show, which I'm about to talk Woo! about. And he's like, don't forget to reimburse me for this. Don't forget, because I'm the treasurer. And I was like, I texted him, I go, all right. Like, I was like, at the point I was like, I've heard enough from Alfredo for the next oh, fucking two weeks. Like, no. I was like stop fucking tell, telling me what to do. I'm done now for a couple of days. Give me a couple of days of like, <laughs> my God. Oh God, what a week. Okay. So. Phoebe Bridges. Oh my God, Tina. I can't even fucking tell you. First of all, I upgraded my seat. I told you that, right? Yes. Like I got that ticket right in the front, which was the best thing that I ever <gasps> fucking did. I get there. I'm in my full Phoebe fucking skeleton outfit. Oh my outfit. god! And I saw you with other little skeletons. Yes, uh, it everybody made me so happy. It was so cute, dude. Everybody. So that's how the band dresses. The band wears that. Oh my god! Yeah. So I, you know, I fit right in. I'm with the band, basically. <laughs> basically, um, everybody was so fucking cool and so much fun. And like, I get to my seat, and I swear to God, I turn around, and there's a mom with like her two daughters, <gasps> and the daughters are in their skeletons, oh thing, right? like teenagers. Oh my god! I'm 44. <laughs> right. Who cares? I know. I turn around. And I go. Oh, are you so? Aren't you so excited? Like, like, I was like such an idiot, but I'm like, oh my god, are we so excited? Like, oh, so I, this excited. makes me so happy. So the merch line, uh, by the way, you needed this <laughs> so much, and it just fills Girl, my heart. This I is filling did. my heart. I fucking did. And then we heart. we um. The merch line was way long when I got there. I'm like, that's all right. I'll go after. So I started talking to the mom that was behind me, and I said. Oh, I'm going to go get the merch after she goes, Oh God, we got, they, they had, they were smart. They put a merch table on the outside. So when you walk up before you oh, go in, you can also buy stuff, put it nice. in your car and then go into the show, which I thought was fucking genius. But they had one inside and she's like, I don't know. They were already running out of sizes when we were there. And I'm like, what? what? Holy fuck. So I ran to the merch table. I was able to get the shirts I wanted. They did not have the poster I wanted. So I'm going to be hunting this poster down forever, but I did get another poster. Oh, good. So then. I went and I got to, I got back to my seat and there were two, now there's people next to me and these two women who were so fucking nice, like a couple. And I was, I turned to them and I go, aren't you so excited <laughs> about Phoebe? And they're like, oh. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm really excited. Right. <laughs> the show starts. Did you cry? Girl, I cried so much. I Aww. cried so much. So the show starts Every song is fucking incredible. Every, I mean, I'm standing the whole time. Nobody was sitting. The whole place was singing along. Oh, it was fucking that's incredible. Favorite. That's my favorite. Yeah, I started crying. Um, the women next to me, the women next to me were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's just uh, like, I think I'm having an emotional breakdown. And he <laughs> goes, it's a breakthrough. And uh, I was like, oh, I said, thank you, friend, right? Oh my God. <laughs> so they're like, you look so cute. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And so we talked for a little bit. And then after the show, we took a picture together and I got their Instagram handle. So I'm like, I could tag them in it. So then I get back to my car and it just all oh fucking comes God. out. Because, you know, I said it like I you can go to my Instagram and I have a little Phoebe highlight. You can watch the whole day of me yes. in St. Augustine. I had such a great time in St. Augustine, Aww. but I said in there and I started crying in my car and I'm crying in my car and I'm waiting to like merge into a line to get out. And the car that lets me in 
is these two women. And they're like, oh. and I'm sobbing, right? And I'm sobbing and they're waving at me and I roll my window down and I go, I'm crying again. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, that's okay, let it out. Oh. And I hear them going, oh. And I'm like, yeah, this is a fucking <laughs> So, but oh here's God, the thing. This. this has been a hard fucking year. Like, it's been really fucking hard. Like, I hate saying that after Tuesday, like, what has happened in Texas. Like, obviously, of that's course, a level of tragedy of that I hope oh. I never have to experience. Oh. But, like, this year has torn my heart out, yes. stomped on it all over the place. I had to break someone else's heart. My my poor ex-husband, who we went through so much shit together. And I yes. got to tell you, the fact that we're in a place right now where we are, he, he went on a trip this week and I'm like, you want me to call you a lift to pick you up for the airport? Like, <laughs> hey, what can I do to help? Like, Aww. we are in a place that is so much better than we've ever it. fucking been. And so it. to think about how Phoebe's music was my lifeline throughout this Aww, entire fucking Hillary. year. You know what I mean? And to hear her sing these songs, to feel uh, connected. It's the music that like connects me to like her and the, the way she sings about things that have nothing to do with the divorce. But somehow music, you know, you yes, love music. You love yes, music. It, yes. It, it, it winds up inside of you and it makes you just feel oh, I love all something, of this. right? So that's what her music did for me. It's why, Aww. I mean, it seems silly like a skeleton or whatever, no. but it's like, to me, it was do such it a up. fucking positive thing for me up so it was amazing and i'm so excited the last thing i wanted to ask you before we get into texas is i found the video for the column supper club (gasps) video you know when we were on and i was wondering should we put that on our youtube (laughs) okay i'm gonna do it please it's so funny yeah our friends emma it's so funny it's three hours long (laughs) (laughs) our friends emma and james invited us to go oh my god they host column supper club james column he loves to cook and so he has like he's an amazing sunday dinners where he cooks for everybody and um we went on there and did like a live video with oh them. Oh my God. And it was, and so I, I like would skip through it. I hear Alfredo asking questions. It was like a it mad, was, it was it madness. Was, it was madness. But and then, and so people funny. were like, I think asking questions on, I think it was like Denise. Denise. <laughs> and Blair, Barefoot Lobo. And Barefoot. Yeah. Oh my God. So I think I found I think, the video and I was like, why is this on my Google yes, Drive? We have a video streaming yes, service at this we're point. We're putting that on. We have a channel. And hi, uh, Column Supper Club. Yeah. Um, can hi. we do a part two? Yeah. And we can record it. It doesn't have to be live. We can record it and then yeah. we can actually like put edit, edit and make a nice video. Yeah. And we'll do it at their new their new place yes! whenever they get settled. Please, 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 please. I just bought their furn- I just bought their bedroom furniture. Please. I want all the food. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, All let's the do food. it. Yes. And maybe you can help cook, like, you can, like, give them some tips. You're I can You're a what? great, what? You can cook, what? bitch. I oh, know, over I'm here not. With this oh, like, she don't know how to cook over here. All right. <laughs> Oh, let's do no. it let's get into it sorry for all that upfront stuff i just if you did you have anything else besides this no okay. i just i may have i, I didn't may, even put it on my list because i was like I, it's, a, it's yeah, a default we're gonna I, talk about i it. may have and then i just i know because well so 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 we all know what what happened on tuesday in texas and uvalde right uvalde texas yeah. um uh, yeah. my mother in the last two days, has, I talked to her every day at, at lunchtime. She's insistent on telling me about the cops and, and what has gone on and how many rounds this person had. And I told her yesterday, I can't hear anymore. I, know. I can't hear about the incompetence and, of the and, police. And, well, uh, well, I'm out of my fucking mind the about thing it. Is, the thing is when you have police officers mm. who realize the severity of what that weapon can do, and they know that if they walk towards it, they're going to die. We have a problem that the, you know what I mean? 
Well, they, no one should have me, these guns. I work in an office. I didn't take an oath that I'd lay my life, life on right. the line. No, no, the they community. should have run I didn't in the do building. That. They should have run. Those were babies in that building. They but got their kids out. They got their kid. They ran in and got their kids out. <gasps> no. Yep. I yep. didn't hear. Oh my God. Yep. I know that they were holding parents back. When they finally went in, they got their kids out. I saw um, this father on the news. I can't. I'm probably just going to cry. It's happening. Let's just. I, I saw this father on the news hugging his picture. child's picture. And he's like, how do they do this to my baby? And it's like, why? Why? Why is that man doing that? Why is this man, these parents, uh, weeping on the pavement outside of a school? Like, how many times do we have to see it? How many times? They were locked in the classroom for an hour. Oh, my God. An hour with this person. An hour locked (sighs) in a room. The terror. What those kids experienced their last moments. It's not right. Definitely crying for their parents. Definitely crying for their mothers. No doubt about it. (sighs) No doubt. Uh, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what his his reasons were. My mom told me he killed his grandmother before he went to the school. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But I know this. I'm fucking over it. Right. I am fucking over it. It's enough. It's a matter of fucking time it's besides b- before it happens it's again enough. here. Because it's happened here, not far from here. Like 20 minutes from my fucking house, it's happened and it's already. Not, it's enough already. And these 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 constitutionists like who are like, uh, oh, we have to go by the Constitution and the Second Amendment. Well, if you want to be this pure person... Then look at the, the the weapons at the time that this constitution was written. The the people writing that had no could not even imagine the weapons that we have today. They can't imagine they could not have imagined it. It didn't exist. It's not it, it makes no sense that they're gonna hold on to this sentence in that amendment. It makes no sense. Well, they know think about the context in which that was written. Mm. It's ridiculous. And I'm so, I'm over it. And when they say, you're coming for our guns. Yes. Yep. We're coming for every last one of your guns. Yes. 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 That's it. Well, they did it in every other country that had mass shootings. They did it. And they've had no more mass shootings. So we are a sick country. Yeah. The sickness is the violence. We are violent. We are a violent country. Oh we were founded God. in violence and the violence has never gone away. That's who we are. That is who we glorify it. We glorify it. And, you and know, we, the, we, the, the, the day after, they, t- they go to these, the New York Times goes to the 50 senators on the record and asks every single one of them, just about strengthening background checks. That's all they asked about. They, they can't do it. 34 of the 50 senators avoided or deflected the question. Yeah. And nobody said, yes, I'm for it, by the way. Not one fucking senator said they're for it. Because guess what? They have sold their souls. This isn't they even- They have sold their souls to not, the NRA. This is not even they banning- They don't give a shit. This isn't even banning guns. No. It's strengthening background checks. They want that A plus. Which is they the want least- They want that A plus It's rating. the least you can fucking do. They it's the care. least you can do is do a background check so that somebody like this guy doesn't get it. I read something that like in Japan to get a gun, you have to, ha- it's like a two or three month waiting period. They have to interview your friends, your family. You have to go a psychological test. Like you don't just get handed a gun. No. And if somebody were, if they were to go to that kid's grandma, that kid, that yes. murderer's grandmother and say, do you think your grandson have a gun? That would be like, hell no. Hell no. No way. He's the fucked up. The the school would have said no. That's right. But we don't do that. We go, oh, you want a gun? Here. It's 2021. Your In 2021, Texas 
the legislator, legislators oh. there and Governor Abbott signed a bill that lowered the age to get a handgun to 18. This fucking right? murderer was 18 he years was 18, old. And they stripped $200 million. From mental health. From the mental health budget. So Abbott this does is not this, deserve. This, this didn't happen in a vacuum. Anything. They didn't happen oh, in a vacuum. Please. They hand every single one of these senators and electeds and anyone who made these, these bills easier, made easier to get these guns. You are all complicit in the murder of these children in every single person in the grocery store last week in fucking Buffalo. You are complicit um, in, in murder. In street corners. Accessory in to homes, murder. Everywhere, That's who you are. Everywhere. Not just in mass shootings. If one person dies by a gun, they are complicit. Yes. They're complicit. Yes. The blood is on their hands. Absolutely. The blood is on their hands and they cannot, I, I don't know how they go to sleep. Oh, they sleep very comfortably in their houses with their two million their dollars rich, from the fucking yeah, NRA. In their rich little houses, and where they know that their children are going to some posh po- private school, right? They don't care about the middle class and the poor children. What about who this? are dying? What about this? Right, because their children are safe. What about the husband? Who goes to the oh, memorial? God. His wife is I, one of the I, teachers who's killed, murdered. Right? Ugh. He goes to the memorial. Has a fucking heart attack and drops dead. High school sweethearts drops fucking dead at the at the fucking I, memorial. I know. The it, the the deaths is a ripple effect of thousands of people affected by these deaths. The families, the friends, the community. Right. That's yeah. a, the mental health of the children who survived oh, and got God. out of the school will ripple effect through that community. These kids in Parkland. Do you mean kids have committed suicide since MSD? Do you mean kids have killed themselves because they were in those buildings and have? Mental health issues for the rest of their fucking lives. They this don't isn't care. just these fourteen, uh, the, yeah. the twenty family, twenty people who were murdered. It's not just them. It is a. It will affect this community forever, decades and decades and decades. I just I, and, for need, and for, for what? what? For fucking what? They care about their wallets. They care about their A plus rating. They care about seats that they want to hold on to until they die. That's all they care about. And people hate talking they, about politics they, when it comes to this. But let but me tell you. But guess what? This is it. The biggest this political it. thing it could be. This is it. These are this babies. These are innocent. These are grandmothers. I mean, in a week, we lost elderly grandparents and babies. What are we doing in this country? What are we doing? What are we doing? We need to start calling anyone who accepts money from the NRA murderers. Yeah. And that's it. Well, they want to sit and call women who want to have an abortion a murderer. Well, they're the murderers. Yeah. They're the murderers. Yep. Well, guess what? I saw a cardboard cutout, like a life-size <gasps> cardboard cutout of Ted Cruz. I saw that. And he's got like a white shirt on. It's yes. Ted Cruz. And someone wrote in red paint that looks like blood, I murdered 14 children. Yeah. That's what he, he is. And put it outside his office foul. in Texas. He's foul. And, you know, I don't believe in this, you know, heaven and hell, but God. I would love to see them all burn for eternity. Here's the other thing. This is what I love. Burn for eternity. More than anything is the media spin that comes out after. And it's so clear because here's the thing that's so, like really think about how sick this is, right? Before the shooting, they already had this ready. Like they just, they're ready. The NRA and all of their talking points that they hand to Fox News and all the electeds that they give money to, they had these talking points ready. So the new talking point is, well, the school should have one entry and exit point. Uh Yeah, we're going to now in schools, we have to live like we are in prison. Now that didn't come out Tuesday. These are children. They had that ready. 
Yeah. They had that ready. That it's not their fault. It's the school's fault. Then it was mental health. Before, remember before it was everybody had mental illness. And that's the problem. It's yes. not this. Now it's now the schools it's the don't school. have entry. So well, they don't, by the way, schools don't have money for books, but you want them to do construction? Oh. Fuck you. Right. Fuck you. Just they take the guns out, away from people. You fucking idiots. You motherfuckers. You fucking murdering pieces of shit. Let me tell you something right fucking now. If one of these fucking kids was my kids, which I feel like they are, like I feel like they're my kids. By the way, everybody should feel like they're their kids. Yeah. There's no child in this country that we should not be protecting as if they're our own children. When I saw some fucking kid out here being harassed across the street at the park by some woman with a Bible, I was running are you in a circle. Me? And he was sitting there by himself on the bench, clearly waiting for his parent. He was probably like 10 or 12. <gasps> and there was a woman with a Bible, like trying to read verses to him. I ran past them the first time. I didn't say anything. The second time I ran him back, I go, I stopped. I said, do you know him? And she said, no, I don't. I said, I really don't think it's appropriate that you're talking to him right now about this without a parent here. She goes, well, I'm just reading. I go, no, it's not okay. You should leave. And she got and she went in her car. And when I came back around again, I said, are you okay? He said, yes, we should be treating. And Ugh. I know that sounds stupid, no, but like that, that, when you that say something so inappropriate, you should fucking say something. These are ch children. You should treat them as if they are your own children. That's what teachers do. That's what fucking teachers do. Those teachers died in that classroom. Do you think that Ugh. they weren't standing in front of those children when they died? They fucking were. They fucking were standing I, there in front of those kids protecting them. And I gotta so tell please. you, I gotta tell you that we had a, a code red drill just yesterday. How and many times do you hear about guns coming by that they found a gun in your school or at a school in Broward County? How many yeah, times do you no, hear that? No, we hear often. It. We hear often. At least once a week. Um, and the uh, every code red drill. I don't know if you know this, but every code red drill there is an action. You know, one month it'll be we're going to learn how to hide. One month it's going to be we're going to learn how to cover and conceal. Uh, yesterday's was distract. And I got to tell my students like, okay, uh, it's distract. We can throw an object at the head of an assailant that comes through so that we, you know, if we can't hide, if we can't escape, if we can't, you know, all the other things, you know, the very last thing we can do is throw a heavy object at the head of a, an assailant. So then I have students going, oh, look, I can use this pair of scissors. Um, I have a hammer. Another one's like, oh, yeah, you have that hammer. Another kid's like, oh, and, and I'm standing there with these children because <sighs> to me, Christ. even though I teach high schools, to, I, I call them babies. They're children. They're, they're babies. Yes, they are. That these children have to look around my classroom to see what we could use if someone came in. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, and we do it all the time. And some of my students are like, no, this is, we're used to it. Like, this is just what it is. Like, we have trained them to feel like this is just all normal, a normal part of their existence. And children should not be trained as soldiers, mm. right? We're not in a war where we have to fight off this. You know, they should be learning about the things that they can't stand, like grammar, Instead of this, like, I, I, it, what are we doing to these kids? It's outrageous. You know, by what the I mean? way, and then oh, I have way. to stand up there and say this. Yeah. And, and then I'm like, okay, and when, when we barricade, okay, we could push this car here. Oh, but the door opens this way. Yeah, but we could put this bookcase. We could, you know, these are things that we talk about. We talk about it. By the way, and you don't think that also, that's traumatic to kids to think about where we right. would go, where we would hide, where, oh, the window, that someone could see us from the window, you know, like, also, by the way, there's a pop quiz tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, also, don't forget to turn your essay in on Friday. Yeah. Like, 
this is a learning environment. We're supposed to be doing that, but we're doing this. Yeah. And then we all wonder why public schools are failing or people don't like public schools. And we don't give them money. We don't give them funding. <laughs> yes. They want to arm. They want to arm they, But somehow they find money in Florida to give to the yes. lunch lady to carry a fucking right. gun, right? Yeah. Fuck you. We can By the way, that's the best part of it all is you expect untrained teachers, um, untrained in, in gut with guns or lunch ladies or security yes. guards to, all to walk guns. around and protect. But the police can't fucking go in the yeah. building when they've got a SWAT team behind them, right? They won't even fucking go they in. They won't even But you go expect in. teachers and fucking lunch ladies and everybody else to fucking do it? School resource officer? Fuck you. It's the not level right. of fucking incompetence in Congress is outrageous. Fuck Nancy Pelosi. And let me tell you something else. This fucking Biden. When he came, I'm, I'm shaking. When he came out for that press conference and he's like, I don't, why? Why? Okay, here's the level I want from my president right now. He comes out to the podium and he goes, I'm fucking furious. Yeah. I am furious. Senate has until 5 p.m. tomorrow to sign that fucking legislation that the House has already passed, or I'm writing an executive order and I'm gonna start fucking passing gun legislation regulation from my desk. That's the fucking energy I want from a president right now. Right. You are the president. Don't tell me how we got here because you were in the Senate for 50 fucking years, motherfucker. You went from Senate to vice president to the president of this fucking country. You better fucking come up with some goddamn plan to fix this, you piece of shit. I'm fucking over it. Get the fucking pen out like Trump did when you go like yes. this. Trump would go like this and show everybody his executive yes. order. Where's Biden with my fucking executive order? These children deserve to be alive and tucked into their fucking beds every night. I'm fucking done. Get it done. Get it done. We got the House. We got the Congress. We got the fucking Let's White House. Let's do it. Figure it the fuck out. The Republicans can find a fucking loophole. I know. Everywhere they find a loophole. Why can't we do it? Why are you afraid? Why is Nancy Pelosi stumping for a fucking A-plus NRA candidate yeah. in Texas? Thank you. What are you doing, you old cunts? <laughs> Sorry, that word makes me laugh, but you are. That's what you are. Get your shit together, bitch. Get your shit together. When I say bitch, I mean Biden. <laughs> Tina, the camera's going to die. We're never going to get okay, through this whole let's episode. Do. Let's go. All right. Oh, God. Is your story long? <laughs> I don't think it's super long. I want to die. I want to go into so, the table and fucking take and a nap. And done. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I wondered that too. I wondered this about the executive order. And I don't know if it's, it's because- It can't be a ban, but you can definitely yes. do some shit. Yes, there got to be something that can be done by executive order. But Absolutely. I don't know because it's the second amendment. You know, I don't no, know no, no, what no, those no, rules no. are. Not banning, I'm, but yeah. totally, you know. But doing some, but the background checks, the mental, like there's something that can be done. Come on. There has to be, right? Yes. I mean, yes. All right. So today mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the story of a former Dixon, Illinois comptroller and treasurer. Ooh. Oh, money. Money. money I, money, you know, money. When, when I chose my story this week, I was like, I can't, I, I, you know, last week I had done like yes. that white supremacist who <laughs> yeah. had the cache of weapons and all of that. And I was like, I, 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 yeah. I, I can't I, do same, that. So, same. so we're going to lighten it up a little bit. Okay, let's do it. All right. So Rita Cronwell served as Dixon controller and treasurer for almost 30 years, beginning in 1983. But Cronwell, <laughs> let me do it over. 
But Crundwell bankrupts her career when a city clerk discovers suspicious account activity. Mm. Okay. Our story takes place in Dixon, Illinois, and it's not huge. This is a small city. I say small. It's got about 16,000 people. Yeah. Tiny. tiny. Yeah. And one of its sites, I, I saw this and I'm like, oh God, is um, like, you know, these tiny towns, like they... whatever they can use to go like hey we have this thing the biggest ball of yarn yeah well Mm -hmm. theirs is um ronald reagan's boyhood home he lived there for four years (laughs) (laughs) but they're like this is the reagan home and it's a museum and it's a historic it's one of those houses like 1890s and he lived there from like 1920 to 1924 and they're kind of all about reagan like there's statues and i guess you know i get it you're a small town a president like lived there that's you know I'm sure is a huge deal. Yeah. So, um, and it's also known for like its railroad arches and um, like log cabins, like stuff like that. Whatever. It's a quaint little American town. Sounds lovely. So Rita was born and raised in Dixon in 1953. Her family, um, they had like farms and they were, they showed horses. Mm. That was like their thing. Okay. And when she was a teenager, she got a job at City Hall and this was like in the late 70s and she, uh, or mid 70s. And then as she, after she graduated, she started to show horses too. It's like kind of what her family did. Mm-hmm. And she showed what were called quarter horses. Oh and, yeah. Oh, I'm like, I don't know what those are. And I guess they are horses that can sprint really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And they often outrun other horses. And she was um, breeding those uh, horses and, um, but she still continued to work at City Hall. So she hit like, this is my nine to five, but like on the side, she's doing this horse thing. Okay. And um, so again, she started with like a work study program in high school and then just stayed in City Hall and like they really liked her and she eventually becomes the treasurer in 1983. Amazing. Nice. So she's Good been with the city for like, like her whole life. Right. Over time, she ends up showing over hundreds of horses. She's winning several championships, like national championships, like her horses are very good. Um, and she would take time from work to like go show horses and like participate in these competitions. And, um, a report from Auburn university noted that she always docked her pay for the time gone and all of that. And her uh, salary at the time of her arrest was about $80,000 a year. Hey, that's pretty good. And according to fraud magazine, she lived (laughs) modestly. Wait, what? I know she had a (laughs) modest lifestyle for a while. And then in the uh, nineties, the, the more it's like, she was like showing her horses, like on a national level, um, she started to make big changes to her pro- her property. Um, she was buying stables and like, you know, buying more horses. And these this horses. Big mo- but there's big money in yes, these horses. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you have some horses and you're selling horses. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. And she was buying uh, more and more land. Um, at one point she bought like 87 acres of land. And then she bought like another like seven acres and another 12. So she had a lot of land. Mm-hmm. And she had created like uh, an arena like for them to practice offices, stables, like the whole shebang. Like she's like in the horse industry. Mm. Um, and she was no, I think they called it Rita's ranch was like what her area was known. Like the, the, uh, you know, if you get, when you have a winning horse, you could sell the sperm. Like you could sell, right. Like you can make money with these nationally. Oh, and she had like awarded horses. She had like hundreds of horses. Yeah. She had a lot of horses. So Let's get into it. I just like saying sperm. Ooh. So believe it or not, Crundwell was involved in what is known as the largest municipal fraud 
in American history. What? And girl, I, I was shocked like, <gasps> the, when I read this. I was like, I can't believe she in got this away. this tiny little town? I cannot believe how long she got away with this. Holy shit. For two decades. Dang. Crunwell robbed the city of Dixon. Beginning in 1990, she starts embezzling money from the town. And NBC5 Chicago noted that she did this. It was so, it's wild to me. So she did this. So what she did is she created false invoices uh -huh. that looked like they were coming from the state of Illinois. So okay. like the state of Illinois is like, okay, you have to pay us for X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So she would put in the budget, oh, we got to pay this much money to the state and this much money. And then that money would go, she would, she would, would go to her. Yes. Wow. Ooh, she would pretend to pay these invoices. So according wow. to Charles Hall's article for CPA Hall Talk, the city budget at the time was six to eight million. Yearly audits occurred, budgets were approved, and a case law file on um, th this situation noted that she lied to city officials, and she would st she was starting to tell them that it was the economy and all of this for the reductions, um, like we're not getting as much money from the state, or all of this is impacting the city budget because you know they couldn't afford things that they wanted to do to improve the town, and you know th she's laying people off. Like they're like, oh, we can't afford this, we can't afford that, and she's like, oh yeah, it's just hard times, you know, like doing the best I can, and they believed her. But meanwhile, like it's her hand in the cookie jar. Mm, Jesus. So in 2011, right? She started this in 1990. Oh, wow. In 2011. She goes on vacation. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And on this vacation, <laughs> she tells the city clerk, hey, you know, you're going to have to take over paying the bills, whatever. Oh, my God. While I'm gone. Oh, no. And the city clerk stumbles upon a bank account in the city's name. But something wasn't right. right? Oh, my God. She saw God. the account was being used to use some high-end, like, like high-end things that were personal items and not city items. Bitch, you can't go on vacation when you're doing this shit. So Your life she, is a vacation. Yes. You're stealing money. That's Ooh. it. You're at the end. So she reports her findings to the then mayor who reports it to the FBI. Ooh. Yeah. And the mayor reported a feeling at the time that he, when he had to report Cronwell, because remember, like, these are people that have known her. Since she was a teenager. she was a teenager. Like, she's a part yeah. of their community. She, they trust her. That's yes, the worst. When you trust somebody, her. you don't want to believe these kinds of things. And he said, quote, I literally became sick to my stomach and I told him that I hoped my suspicions were all wrong. Mm. You know, that feeling in the gut happened. Yeah. And boy, like once they, when they dig in, they realize this was a level of fraud that like surpassed anything that they had ever seen. Wow. In the end, she embezzled almost. Let me guess. Let me guess. 10 million. Higher? 30? Higher? Oh, bitch, what? $54 million. $54 million. <laughs> How in the fuck? <gasps> but she's making money. It makes no fucking sense. $54 million. Oh, my God. God. So that CPA Hall article, this article, it's like from the CPA, you yeah. know, and, and it's this accountant that's like, oh, here's where the town went wrong. He's jerking off yes. to this fucking report. And he's like, he's like, but yes, basically. Hold on, hold on. The CPA's like, oh, 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 oh 54 million. Oh, 54 million. <laughs> but basically the, where the town, went, where the town went wrong was, um, she was the only one 
who right. had control. That's right. There's no nobody. Nobody. There's else no the one books. auditing anything else. Like oh, they didn't have any outside Bro, auditor. Anything. We had somebody it's only her. They, we, we had an office manager at my job. I'm the office manager now, but like for the first like I don't know four years I worked there, we had we went through many office managers. One of them was doing some shady shit that of course <gasps> I didn't know about because I was just like <laughs> my yeah. job right, and my boss saw it because you know he and my boss is like. He knows numbers like I told him two years ago. He's like, wasn't this a 10 million thing? And I was what? like, oh, let me check. And he was like, I mean, he knows it to the fucking penny. Wow. Like, you can't get shit past him. And I wow. can't believe this woman even tried, but he caught her getting into Ooh. some fucking shady shit. Yeah. Dang. But you have to have two people looking at that stuff yes. all the time. And they really, really trusted her. Like, you know, again, she's someone that was working in that city since she was 17. Yeah. You know? it's, it sucks because especially oh. when you are trusted, yes. that is not okay. So, um... This article by Hall like really outlined, it outlined what she did. So I'm going to summarize it. I have it in our notes so you can read like the full details. But step one, if you want to, you know, <laughs> uh, embezzle from your town. Yeah. Is to create a secret bank account in the city's name. And she does this in 1990. She named mm. the account RSDCA for Reserve Sewer Development Construction. Mm. And she's the only person authorized to write checks from that account. And... The account never appeared on the city's ledger. I was going to say, you can so keep it no off there. So no one would be the wife. She's creating the reports. Yes. So she's not going to put it on there. Step two, cover things up. So the real money was coming in from this like capital fund project. That, mm. And that was recorded officially. But again, she would write the checks, debiting the expenses and crediting cash and things like that. Mm -hmm. And she never noted the deposits to that RSDCA account. It would be like, oh, I got to pay this invoice. And so it, and she had this like state of Illinois yeah. invoice. All the documents are there, but the money is then being deposited. And at the bank, you know, they know that she's handling that. The bank isn't going to know what Same is on thing. the city's ledger. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And the bank did not pick up that like the money was going to personal expenses. Yeah. The, why would the bank you do know? that either? So, and she would just like, you know, spend freely. Some wow. invoices, according to Hall, were for $250,000, but most of them were around $100,000. Wow. Yes. And they just assumed that they were paying these state fees and like these other things. I just don't understand the, I mean, I'm sure you're going to get into it, but like, why would she do this? 90s, that's when she started doing the horses. Like why, yes. why would she do this? I mean, I, per, it, it doesn't really say in detail, but I think it's to fund this horse life that she wants. My God, horse life. <laughs> Oh, I'm writing so, that down. Horse leg. Horse, hashtag horse leg. So, yeah. so as a treasurer, like I said, she's cutting jobs. She's borrowing money all while living this like fancy schmancy life. And Is she Chicago fucking? Is she married or anything? Um, it she really she know anybody with a horse cock? Yeah. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> so the Chicago Tribune reported <laughs> that wrong. she was stealing wrong with me. right up to her arrest in 2012. Jesus. The year that she bought a horse for $350,000. See? These things are expensive. And P.S. That money was supposed to go to a sewer project. Oh, <laughs> Sorry about your backed up toilet. I needed to get a horse. But what's Jesus. funny is that Auburn University released an opinion piece and noted that a city commissioner, I thought this was so funny. And this was like in 2011, like right around when she's going to get arrested. The city commissioner, Roy Bridgman at the time said that uh, Rita looks after every tax dollar as if it were her own. Whoop. Uh, she sure did. <laughs> That's she a quote. sure did. That's a hell of a quote. <laughs> oh my, oh my God. God. He didn't have any idea how right on oh he was. Oh my God. Holy shit. So... How did she spend the money? So according to WGNN's Ben Bradley, she bought fur coats, mm. jewels, 
houses, a $2 million RV, and of course, horses. Wow, dude. So she ends up with over 60 charges. Wow. And the mayor, you know, is had worked with the FBI. And he says at one point, like, that, that, that the day that he knew, like, things were going to go down at the office, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he was like, hey, he, like, he walked in with, like, a, a federal agent, something, and he's like, her expression didn't change. Like, he's like, I, he somehow thought that she was going to, like, be freaked out or, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. And he's like, nothing. Like At some point, she knows. You know, Come on. Like, we talk steal, about this all the time. Steal, Yeah, but we like, talk about this all the time. Like, when these when, when people are doing stuff like this, we always think, like, how could they? But the I fact mean, that it went on for so long, she knew eventually she, she was going to get caught. To, she probably or, was or, like, well, the, my, da- my time is up. she was so damn cocky that, hey, Same. I'm going to retire. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to close out that account. No one would be the wiser, you know? She should have done that. Mm. So according to, so again, she's got like 60 charges, but according to the U.S. Attorney's Office of Northern Illinois, um, Crunwell pled guilty. And when she pled, the state ends up dropping like a ton of the charges because like they make a deal. So she ends up pleading guilty to wire fraud and money laundering. And the sentencing, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office press release stated that Crunwell was sentenced to 19 years and seven months, almost the full 20 year sentence allowable by law. God, it feels like it should be more it than should, that. It should be more. It's $54 million. million. But Jesus. still, 19 years, seven months. So she get, And she was like, please, you know, I'm going to be an old woman when I come out. Like this, that, what and the other. What about my horses? Yeah, give me a break. Assistant U.S. Attorney <laughs> bitch. Joseph Fenderson said. Glue factory, honey. Yeah. While the city was suffering, the defendant was living her dreams. And the judge <laughs> in the case, Philip Reinhardt, said that she showed, quote, greater passion for the welfare of her horses than the people of Dixon she represented. I mean, it was Living her dream with the fucking horses is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, I mean, I just wish I, she's so passionate and she loves these horses so much. She's willing to fucking, you know, steal $54 million. I know, but I don't feel that way about anything. I don't feel that way about anything. She's also living the high life. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. I mean, of course. It's not just the horses. Like she is living it. And I would imagine that people would probably think, oh, she's buying and selling more horses and it's her horse farm and business maybe that is allowing her the luxury of the life that she's living. Right. Right. Instead of the, you know. There's so much good money in that. Like, I don't understand (sighs) the point of stealing the the money when you could make really good money. Yeah. During the victim. Victim impact statement, Mayor Jim Burke, the guy who- Poor like, guy. This, yeah, poor, this guy. poor guy. His heart's broken. She's he, like, fuck you, where's my horse? You don't give a fuck yes. about this guy. <laughs> Outlined how it felt to be taken in by Cronwell. And I want to read one part. Okay. I thought this was so, like, I was like, oh. This poor dope. There's a, there's a quote. <laughs> so I liked it. Um, so here it goes. She was motivated in the words of Dixon Police Chief Danny Langloss by trophies and horses or- in the words of Shakespeare's tragedy of King Richard III, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. <laughs> oh he's in court. God. He's in court with this quote. <laughs> yeah, I know you. Uh, Shakespeare's he's like, I was like, oh, I got to say that. I got to put that in there. My horse, my horse, a kingdom for a horse. It's so awful. Listen, do not steal. Bad, bad, bad. But like all of this for horses is so fucking funny to me. I know. Like, who, do you, have you? There's a horse stable down the street from my house, and if you even just drive by with your windows down, it smells. You want to vomit? <laughs> okay, it smells like horse shit. I mean, it's terrible, right? Like, I can't believe she's doing remember, all this remember, for fucking horses. I remember 
were like running, running off. Yeah, and you then can't you get to hold your breath. One part, you're like, oh yeah. shit. You pass like, the blue. Literally. And you gotta hold your breath for fucking five minutes. Yeah. It's so disgusting. And she's oh like, my God. Oh, horses, honey, please. <laughs> honey. I mean, they are beautiful. All right, whatever. Okay. I mean, I guess. I mean, I've never gone like horseback riding or done any of that. That was like to oh, me, like that's fun. like rich people. Oh, honey, I went horseback. <laughs> you want to hear rich? <laughs> I went horseback riding in Costa Rica. Oh, in these mountains through a river nice. on the beach. Oh, honey, I was living my best life. See, that sounds amazing. But then um, the guy who was taking us around thought that my sister in law, who's four years younger than me, was my daughter, and I was <laughs> like, "Can someone drown me in this river now? Because I want to fucking die." <laughs> okay, fuck you. <laughs> Also, I love Costa Rica, but that guy. Oh, but that's then he, so amazing. But then he picked mushrooms for us. And oh. hey. <laughs> that was the Ooh. best. <laughs> and literally for that too. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the U.S. <laughs> that's right. We like it. We oh like it. Oh my God. The U.S. Attorney's <laughs> Office press release also noted that she was ordered to pay back $53,740,394. And this would come from selling off her yes. assets. Okay, yes. Which include... Those precious horses that she loves so much. May. And the Chicago Tribune reported just this May of 2022 that the town had been making strides under a new treasurer. Um, they have approved. Um, that person's got five people looking over their I shoulder. They have, they've approved the budget. They've worked on like beautification projects and the like, which they report is a stark change to how things were under Cronwell. And mm. This is um, funny. Like when she was in charge, they had to put off buying a new fire truck because she's like, there's no no money in the budget for a new fire truck. What a bitch. It's the same year that she managed to buy that $2 million RV. (laughs) She's got, I got an idea. I got some horses that can pull a water cart and they could run up, roll up to the fire with a water cart. Oh my God. This bitch. She's, that's dangerous. I mean, come on. It's messed up. She's such an asshole. So in the end, according to NPR Illinois, the city was able to recoup about $40 million. So I mean, that's that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, good. that's pretty good. And the auction for her stuff took place, and I'm going to have pictures from the auction. <laughs> They're 14 million short, but yeah, it's all right. I, it's pretty good. I mean, my God, 14 million dollars off. So much money. Holy this poor shit! Town. It's so fucked this up. Poor town. Yeah. What about Reagan? Can he? Did he? Did Reagan roll yeah. in and start talking about trickle down <laughs> economics? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Let's go to our Lord and Savior, Ronald Woo! Reagan. What would he do in this yes. situation? Oh, please. <laughs> I bet you she uh, voted for Reagan. Uh, <laughs> totally. Woo. No, she did. For All right. Sure. So um, the auction for her stuff took place November to December in 2015. So here are some points of interest. Okay. She gets released in 2021 after serving only eight of her 19 years. She fleeced this town for $54 million and she's out. Wow. And there are so many people, and we know we've talked about this all the time, who are in jail yeah. for- Like a dime bag of weed. I mean, for the smallest things yeah. and they're in jail for life and they can't get out. She got out. White lady. <sighs> so, and the thing is, Ben uh, Bradley's WGN- Nine article said that she's back in Dixon. I, I saying, don't know how uh, she can go back. Me neither. To this town. I was going to say, did she get on? Did she come okay. out of the jail like and in a movie galloping and away? get up on a horse yeah. and like, yeah, like yeah. fucking right off into the sunset? Yeah. No, she's back in Dixon. Oh my bitch, god, you got some fucking nerve showing your she's face around here. Some nerve. Oh my god. And so the former uh, U.S. Marshal Jason Wojtyla 
He explained, so he would have to go to jail to visit with Cronwell because that's where they had to catalog like all the shit so that they could auction it. Mm. So he would meet with her and he said, quote, she conveyed to me more of a sense of disgust that she had been sentenced that long. She was very visibly shaken by the fact she was serving nearly a 20 year sentence. My God. However, <laughs> my God. So I just arrogant, yeah. right? That's like the vibe. Jesus. So though the original press release from the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office noted it noted that she had to, this was a federal crime, right? So with a federal crime, you cannot be up for parole. There's no parole. Like you're sentenced to your time and that's it. Like there's no way that you can parole mm-hmm. out. And you're supposed to serve at least 85% of your sentencing, which would have been 16 years minimum, well, right? But, and at the, when she first was released, the FBI doesn't give any reason. And the Chicago Tribune noted though that, COVID-19 was the reason, right? Um, And she reported in April, 2021, uh, a letter, let me start that over. And NBC5 Chicago reported that in April, 2021, she wrote a letter to the sentencing judge that read, I know at my sentencing, you felt I was not given a death sentence with my projected age of release of 77. But now with my deteriorating health condition and the danger of the COVID-19 pandemic, I feel I have been given a death sentence. I mean, oh, well, why do you deserve leniency and no one else? Yeah, that's crazy. So, Mm -mm. I mean, that's kind of why they um, released her. But they also reported the city was not happy with this early release and the new mayor at the time or the mayor elect at the time, Mayor Leandro Arieno said, quote, it is incredibly frustrating that Dixon was given no victim notification of Rita Cronwell's release. Mm. So they don't even tell the town. Like she just gets out and they're like, wait, what? She's out. So people are they're pissed off. Yeah. Um, And he further states Dixonites are still dealing with the social and financial Mm -hmm. aftermath of the damage she did. And our community deserved notice and of reasoning for this decision. Yeah. ABC seven reported that um, the mayor also said, quote, they specifically said they were trying to bring justice to the city of Dixon and our residents and, and deter future crimes like this and to not even serve half the term, half the sentence. That was a bit shocking. Absolutely. Resident Melissa Lawrence told ABC seven quote, I think that she should have served her term for what she did to the city. And I don't know that eight years was long enough. Another resident, Lori Benton told ABC seven, go find somewhere else to live. That's not Dixon. You are not welcome. Mm. So people are not thrilled. Mm-mm. And they also reported that her nephew, this guy, Rick Humphrey bought her property at auction years back and many wondered like, oh, is she going to go back and live on the, the ranch? Like where she stole money to right. like have? Right. And he said, quote, I paid good money for this property. It's no longer hers, but who knows, you know? Yeah. And then um, another report by the Chicago Sun-Times indicated that the feds finally like say that she was released to a halfway house or home confinement, which is house arrest. And they couldn't like say which one like for her safety or whatever. Um, but it seems like through other things that I read that it's probably the house arrest option and she would be on house arrest till 2029. But house arrest, like you could still go a couple places, like you're in your home. You can right. watch Netflix all day. You can eat what you want. You could order Uber Eats. Like you're not uh, suffering. Yeah. And then there's a documentary and I put the link to it. That's called All the Queen's Horses. Oh my um, God. <laughs> all the Queen's Horses. Oh my God. And they were actually, you know, cause they had done this documentary and then they hear that she gets out and they were even shocked that she had been released wow. as early as she did. Jesus. And that's the story of Rita Cronwell, the crooked controller. 
from Dixon. Woo, Tina, that's a great one. $54 million, like from 1990 to 2011, like just every, imagine like you just writing yourself checks for 100,000 and 200,000, like, but it's even, but with the horse situation, that's, that is a small amount compared to what, what the money that rolls through that kind of like. That, that uh, world, Yes, right? yes. Oh, my God. So it probably didn't seem like that much to her. Yeah. But you can get to $54 million pretty quick that, like, well, like that. Well, she, she you know? certainly did. All right, Jesus. let me get more coffee, and then we will roll into my story. Okay. All right. Hey, I'm Lauren. And I'm John. And we host the Beard Out Podcast, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest things in the world, beer and Beard Out. And a lot of other things. We're funny. Uh, yeah, that's basically what I told him to say. Good job with your I script. Listen. Yay. Uh, but no, seriously, we try and pair a beer with a Weird Al song and talk about both things and go where the conversation takes us. It's fun. I promise. You'll like it. Yeah. I mean, if you like talking about random things as well as, you know, fine craft beers and some wonderful craft music. Are you ready? I am. So today's, uh, well, this will be released on June 1st, which is the start of Pride Month. So I wanted to do a story. Pride. Oh, I'm so excited about Pride this year. Me too. Okay. I'm going to cover the boys of Boise. Oh, hey. <laughs> so the boys, uh, and I'm going to mm-hmm. roll through this, not because I want to roll through it quickly, but because I want everyone on the who watches us on YouTube to be able to see the whole thing. Because we were heavy in the front, but we yes, had to be. Yes, we had yes, to be. Yes. And if it cuts off, go listen to the audio and download the audio, <laughs> you motherfuckers. Yes. You should be doing that Just anyway. Just do it. Yeah, you got to do it for us okay. anyway. So the Boys of Boise refers to the sweeping investigation of a supposed homosexual underground in Boise, Idaho that started in 1955. <gasps> So it's going to it's going to very much like a lavender scare. Oh, right? no. So beginning with the arrest of three men in October 1955, the investigation brought in to encompass allegations that over 100 young men and teenage boys had been involved in sexual acts with a ring of adult homosexual men. By the time <sighs> the investigation would wind down in January 1957, some 1500 people had been questioned. 16 men faced charges and 15 of them were sentenced to terms ranging from probation to life in prison. Can you imagine that we're arresting people yeah. for their sexual activity? This this is... Yeah. So reportage of the investigation and arrest set off a moral panic in Boise, fueled by incendiary editorials in the city's newspaper. Although framed in terms of protecting children from adult predators, the probe was not confined to investigating charges of men having sex with underage boys, and some of those convicted and sentenced to prison were found guilty only of sexual encounters with other consenting adults because it was against the law at the time. It's... Uh, Right? Sodomy, right? It's so, so weird. The scandal highlighted the tension between the perception of homosexuality as a mental illness requiring treatment and homosexual sex as a criminal act mandating punishment and led to an examination of the problems of juvenile delinquency. The reasons behind both the start and the end of the investigation are unclear. So we're get, we'll get into it, but it seemed like there was, a, there was somebody in charge in Boise who was a gay. They called him the queen. We'll talk about that. Um, who people didn't like. And so somebody start wanted this investigation started, oh. and so they start saying, "Well, they're they're fucking boys, basically." <gasps> and so they, it was all to take down this one person, and it that didn't even ever happen. Like it was ridiculous because the person was too powerful, you know. Yeah. 
So the first arrest in the scandal came on October 31st, 1955, following an investigation by a private detective, Howard Dice, at the behest of an unnamed client. Those arrested mm. were Ralph Cooper, a 33-year-old shoe repairman, Charles Brokaw, a 29-year-old freight worker, and Vernon Castle, um, a 51-year-old clerk. Cooper and Brokaw were charged with quote, lewd conduct within, with a minor child, end quote, and ca uh, Castle was, was charged with, quote, infamous crimes against nature, end quote. Mm. In other words, sodomy, because it's not natural <sighs> to be with another man. Is, can you believe this? Against nature. It's so it's weird. fucking crazy. It's just like, it, it, it's, leave people alone. <laughs> when the arrests were announced, uh, Ada County Probation Officer Emery Bess stated, without offering supporting evidence, that the investigation had only, quote, scratched the surface, end quote, of, quote, child molestation activities, end mm. quote, in Boise, involving several adults and over 100 teenagers. Wow. According to Jim Brandon, at the time the chief of the Boise Police Department, the investigation began when the local YMCA became concerned about the number of transients who were staying at the facility and possible sexual improprieties. So, homeless teenagers runaways right and what are these these boys doing to make money this happens today yes they, of course they perform sexual acts and yes. there's always someone willing to pay no matter what like that's yeah sex work dice's uh unnamed client a lawyer connected with the ymca who was connected to the power elite of boise hired dice to investigate Dice initially discovered nothing, then began speaking with some youths who told him about, quote, juvenile delinquents who congregated at the YMCA and who engaged in homosexual acts with adult men. This is not new to YMCA. YMCA. Yeah. Like, this was a thing that happened. Yeah. You could rent a room there for, like, an hour uh, anywhere in the country. And do and, what you want. And this was a private place for men who were gay to have that privacy. It was, come on. With the involvement of underage males, probation officer Bess became involved and, according to Brandon, compiled a list of 75 youths supposedly involved in homosexual activity. Bess refused to turn over the list to the police or the prosecutor and Dice, operating under the direction of a local organization, the Allied Civic Group. And he continued the investigation that led to the three initial arrests. So it's not even really like the police doing this work. It's this private investigator who's compiling information, going and talking and, to people. And he's paid by some, some unknown yeah, unnamed, person. Like so this lawyer. unnamed person, do we find out who he is? He's no, no. The reasons wow. behind the investigation are murky and complex. But it like this investigation like ruins people's lives, yeah, you know? Yeah, I can imagine at the time. So um, there was a man named John Jirasi, and he wrote a book. Uh, about this whole thing oh. and he says that a power the power elite in Boise whom he refers to as the Boise gang sought to use the investigation and the resulting scandal as a means of maintaining control over the city of Boise and by extension the uh. entire state of Idaho he suggests that different members of the elite sought to aim the investigation at different targets the editor of the Idaho statesman Jim Brown and others wanted to undermine the current reform-minded mayor and his administration so there was people in charge who were trying to make Boise like whatever 1955 progressive yeah and they didn't like it right so they start to say how can we target these people others targeted the boise city council specifically council councilman harold t jones whose son frank was one of the youths involved in the scandal uh we're going to get back to him in a second. So still others uh, in this Boise gang members were, all, were after a fellow member, a wealthy homosexual known as the queen, who they believed was too, too powerful to be brought down by any other means. Wow. So we're going to go after him because he's gay. 
According to attorney J. Charles Blanton, who had worked in the county prosecutor's office until September 1955 and who represented Castle, one of the three men who were initially arrested, um, the office did not routinely search for homosexual activity to prosecute. So this was just like out of nowhere. Now we're doing this. And Mm. between early September and late October, something unknown happened that caused the heightened pursuit leading to these three arrests. So nobody knows why, but all of a sudden it became an issue of we have to go after it. and And then it was sold as they're molesting children. Which is what they still do they today. They still do today. Which is like, this it's is ridiculous. Yeah, the, the grooming yes. and all this, like, Same. This, this language, Same. the rhetoric. Yes. The Idaho statesman Boise's only daily newspaper reported the arrests on November 2nd, and news of the arrests ignited a panic in the citizens oh of Boise, right? All of the children are being molested. Oh, my God. In particular, yeah, mothers go call- look to the church. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure things were happening there. <laughs> In particular, mothers called the high school, the police, and each other, turning in, turning in the names of suspected perverts <gasps> and feeding their own and each other's fear. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're just calling, like, random people's names to the police. Yep. This is who I think is a pervert. Oh. On November 3rd, oh the uh, paper ran an editorial under the headline, Crush the Monster. In it, the editors called homosexual homosexuality everything from moral perversion to a cancerous growth, calling for immediate and systematic cauterization. <gasps> what? Yeah. The statesman then called for, quote, the whole sordid situation to be completely cleared up and the premises th- thoroughly cleaned and disinfected oh using the full God. strength of county and city agencies. I so mean, the look paper, at how the language that they're using to talk about this, that it's, it's got to be cleansed and like yeah. purified. And, but like so severe too, right? Wow. Those words are very severe, which tells yes. me that whoever is putting this, asking for this investigation to happen, also knows somebody at the paper. They're, and it's oh, like, push oh, yeah. this to be something to scare the fuck out right. of people, right? Well, and this is just, I keep thinking about our horrible past president, um, the MAGA, Make America Great Again, Mm -hmm. and they want to go back. They want to go back to these times. Because this this sounds so great to me. Yeah. Right? Where women couldn't do anything. uh, People who were gay couldn't love freely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go back to that. Let's go back. The editorial increased the panic among Boise citizens who decided that if the normally respectable statesman, the newspaper, was so alarmed at the situation, then there must be good reason to be alarmed. Which well, is the course, power of, of the course, press, of the power, course, the power yes. levels. The panic increased anew with the announcement of the arrest of Joe Moore. So this is another like person that, who was arrested in this investigation. Moore, he was then the vice president of the F- Idaho First National Bank. And he was arrested for a, an infamous crime against nature committed with Lee Gibson, a 15-year-old boy who had also been the complaining witness against Cooper. who He was another person originally arrested. So, but were those allegations true? Was he with a 15-year-old yes. boy? So he was. Yes. But this was consensual. I mean, I get it. I well, get it. 15, I get it. I get it. He's 15. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So with the arrest, the statesman published another inflammatory editorial under the headline, uh, quote, this mess must be removed, oh. end quote. The editors characterized homosexuals as a scourge <gasps> that ravage our youth, oh. lament, lamenting, uh, lamenting the number of boys who have been victimized by these perverts, claiming that those so victimized would grow into manhood with the same inclinations of those who were called homosexuals. The statesman concluded, quote, no matter what it's re- it is required, the sordid mess must be removed from the community, end quote. Wow. Anonymous calls to the police turning in the names of any man who, in the opinion of, of an observer, seemed to pay too much attention to any young male. What? Flooded in. And the city's gay <laughs> residents realized that a witch hunt was in wow. full swing. One, wow. one man, a teacher, was so terrified oh. upon reading of Moore's arrest over breakfast that he abandoned the city for San Francisco <laughs> without informing the school or even finishing his eggs. Oh. <laughs> 
He's like, He's bye. Like, bitch, um, don't bail me now. I'm out. I'm out. San Francisco. Wow. Like, I mean, hi. that sounds fun. Bye. He made it. I think he made a good choice. Me Get too. the hell out. Get, why? Get out. Don't, Who wants to stay in this town? Don't sacrifice yourself to be a fucking martyr. Yeah. Get, get out. Get out. With Boiseans terrified of the monster in oh the midst. My God. And Ralph Cooper sentenced to life in prison. <gasps> the statesman abruptly reversed itself. So now it starts to go backwards. Oh. Right. In November, in November 20th uh, editorial, the newspaper called for shock and disgust to be replaced with calm and calculated analysis and consideration. Oh, because they realized, oh shit, we have a problem on our hands. Yeah. We've, We've started. Yeah. Like the, the, the little... Yeah. It, it snowballed. So noting that homosexuality existed, existed in every community and had existed as, quote, as long as the weaknesses of the human mind uh. have been evident, end quote. The statesman declared that homosexuals are <sighs> not criminals and that the incarceration was not an appropriate solution. <laughs> what but why why did they make this 180 i don't know that's what i mean the whole thing like nobody somebody's pulling the strings here and nobody yeah. really knows who it was it so, claimed that as long as the focus was on punishing the adult homosexual that then the involved boys who had been infected by the uh, adult men in the same way excuse me that the men had had themselves been infected as children would quote travel the same path and carry the identical threat to the next generation of youth oh my end quote. god oh my god the paper concluded that homosexuals should still be pursued uh, quote before they do more damage to the youth but with a goal of psychiatric treatment rather than imprisonment oh and that oh, plans i'm for, sure that i'm sure that went well and that plans for yeah right i mean come on let's talk about uh, i gotta cover that so that plans for assistance to the boys must be made immediately quote in order that they do not grow into manhood to become homosexuals oh end quote God. the editorial did nothing to abate the panic and the investigation continued so they realized oh shit yeah like we can't, we've contributed we can't, to this bullshit. You know, uh, we can't pull it back. Yeah. We can't pull it back and they're trying to pull it back, but now it's, it's the hysteria is out and they can't contain it. Right. So it, then it starts to get national coverage on, oh, November, on December 12th, 1955 time magazine published an article called, uh, Idaho underworld in which it recounted the initial arrests and convictions and claimed that a quote, widespread homosexual <gasps> underground had preyed on hundreds of teenage boys for what? the past decade End quote. Time followed up on January 2nd, 1956, reporting additional arrests and sentencing and the suggestion from Boise psychiatrist John L. Butler, who had been appointed director of the Idaho Department of Mental Health in December 1955, that rather than sentencing the homosexual adults to prison terms, the state should instead, quote, build up community supports for them. One alternative might be to let them form their own society and be left alone, end quote. Could you imagine? Okay. What, like a camp? Wow. Should we put them in an internment camp and have them have their own society of gays oh my god you fucking asshole this is a guy who's in charge of the department of mental health on december 22nd 1955 the boise city council issued a statement in which it announced the hiring of a new private investigator to take over the investigation william fairchild fairchild was known for his work investigating homosexuals employed by the state department the city the, the county and the prosecutor's office jointly paid for his services fairchild expanded the investigation and quickly developed a list of 500 suspected homosexuals how do they, I just don't understand how the list Because these made. people are calling in and saying, I oh, know, it's just crazy. This it's person crazy. at 7-Eleven looked at my yeah. son a little too long. It's so bizarro. Mm. Plus, the people who always become targets are the people who are loners, right? right. Like people who are just don't want to be part of the community. They just right. want to do their job. They go home and they or, don't want to be bothered. Or like in other witch hunts, there is another motive there. Right. You know, they, they, you know, this guy. And these dummies this, don't even you know, know my that neighbor, they're involved. My neighbor plays his music too loud or this, you know, I, I can really get him now. You know yes. what I mean? Like yeah. who knows what, why some of these names are added to that list. So bad. 
When the news of the arrest broke, probation officer Emery Best claimed that close to 100 underage boys had been involved in sexual activity with adult men. Jirasi, again, this is runaways. People like this, it's right. not, it's not, you know what I mean? Jirasi interviewed 28 men um, who had been enrolled in Boise High School during the scandal. They all disputed the notion that 100 underage boys were involved with adult men. Psychiatric, but, the psychiatrist so Butler- So saying it wasn't that. Th- yeah, it's, at all, not even close. Psychiatrist Butler agreed, stating his belief that only 65 boys were involved in the same sex, sexual activity, including mutual masturbation. They were only, there were only four or five boys whose sexual involvement with adults went as far as oral genital contact Mm. these boys were characterized by butler as quote tough gang members end quote who engaged in sex work making five to ten dollars each each time they engaged in sex and blackmail threatening to expose the men to the police if they refused to pay Mm. on december 15th 1955 three days after time broke the story and in the wake of closing arguments in the sentencing hearing of joe moore who is that vice president of the bank boise residents held a meeting to discuss the problems of homosexuality and juvenile delinquency speakers included the psychiatrist (sighs) butler le clapp who was the warden of the state penitentiary jim fowler the counselor from the local junior high school and boise lawyer frank church who would go on to the united states senate in 1957 oh great the meeting featuring uh the meeting featuring contradictory remarks from the various speakers on the nature of homosexuality and the role of parents in the lives of the other children in preventing delinquency angered many in the community who felt that Butler in particular, the psychiatrist whom they viewed as an outsider, despite his roots in the city was casting aspersions on their ability as parents and calling for government <laughs> interference in their lives. of their uh, families. So it's not their fault. Yeah. You know, but they're going to call call everybody perverts though. Right. Oh my God. One boy who was particularly affected was by the scandal was Frank Anton Jones, who was the son of that council member, um, Harold Jones. And he was named in a statement given by Blaine Evans uh, by Melvin Durr, an actor and director who had left Boise for San Francisco in the early days of the investigation in January, 1956. Durr stated that he had engaged in mutual oral genital contact with Frank once in the summer of 1953 when Frank was 14. Oh, Frank, um, in 1956, now, two, you know, late years later, he's a cadet at West Point, and the sheriff from Boise flies to D.C. to retrieve Frank <gasps> and bring him back to Boise to testify to, to interrogate him. Oh my God! And he says that nothing happened, right? But, uh, you know, because he's the son of a councilman, it's it seemed like it was a political witch hunt, right? Yeah. Like we're going after this kid. This kid later on kills himself. Oh, my God. Right? Because of how bad it was. That's like, this is fucking insanity. It's insanity. And maybe there was something there. Maybe he was ashamed. Maybe. I don't know. But you don't fucking do this. The kid's at West Point. Yeah. What are you doing? So the end of the investigation was perhaps as murky as its beginning. On December 29th, 1955, William Harvey Baker admitted shooting and killing his father. So... This guy Baker was convicted of manslaughter in June 1956 and sentenced to 10 years in prison. But he was also a key prosecution witness against Moore and other defendants in his involvement. And his involvement in the shooting was one factor which seemed to shift public opinion regarding the witch hunt. Like, if this guy's killing his dad, right. is he really a credible fucking witness yeah. and all of these things, right? So this starts to get, oh, like, it God. starts to kind of unravel, right? Right. And others in the community were also embarrassed by the publicity and attention focused on Boise by the Time article. <laughs> and as a defense They're attorney- They're the ones that all went nuts. So yeah. you reap what you sow, yeah. you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> as a defense attorney later put it, quote, it was as if there was a general feeling that the cases had gone far enough. 
<laughs> Not only the court, but the people of Boise felt this, I think. He oh, said, my quote. God. Jurassic marks the sentencing of Melvin Durr on January 21st, 1957, following a probation violation as the conclusion of the scandal. Along with the public unease over the Baker incident uh, and the embarrassment of the time publicity, Jurassic suggests that the crackdown was getting too close to people entrenched within the same power elite that had pushed the investigation in the first place. <sighs> Boise Police Sergeant Don Jerome, speaking several years after the wind down, concurred in this assessment. He said, quote, the 1955-1956 scandal boomeranged. Too many people were hurt and the city's reputation was too drastically damaged, end quote. However, some of the men convicted in the, in the crackdown dispute this interpretation. One said, quote, the real big shots I knew as homosexuals never were arrested. Mm. Another agreed, agreed and he said, quote, and they never knew who that millionaire queen was. They knew all about him before they picked me up because they asked me about him and I confirmed it. Wow. So, so by the end of the investigation, 1,472 <gasps> people had been interviewed <sighs> and several of them, which I will list in our notes, were arrested and convicted like five years in prison, life in wow. prison. Like, and a lot of that was the underage, right? The, the I people mean, who the had the longer sentences. Thing, I feel like, Absolutely. look, I mean, they're kids. Yes, of course. Jurassic does not identify these men in the book, but um, they, I do have them listed in our notes. And he stated that they were convicted. They were sentenced to probation, some of them, and quote, and were trans therefore capable of establishing new lives without the stamp of ex-con and perhaps without their convictions disclosed, end quote. Mm. That's it. That's the boys of Boise. That is wild. I know. I mean, these I just hunts. love the parallels of like, of grooming, right? Yes. And all of the things that they say it's today. It's such garbage. Yeah. It's such garbage. Right. It's just all about instilling fear and everything else. So Tina is speaking at a vigil today <gasps> and as a teacher- yeah. And so she has this amazing speech and I thought she should read it for everybody. Let's hear it. And I got to say, I got to thank my, my husband who yes. is, I told him you're my Cyrano, Cyrano, <laughs> Cyrano. Hot, hot. Oh my God. All right. So, let's hear it. Oh my goodness. Genius. Okay. When my youngest son was in the first grade, he came home with a little book of drawings he made of the things he did the first week of school. One page showed tiny stick figures scattered on a darkened background. When I asked him what it was, he said they had learned to hide from the bad man. I cried to think that this was what my boy had to learn. As a teacher myself, I have, par I have practiced those code red drills. Hundreds of thousands in schools across the country have. Run, hide, fight, cover the window, close the shutters, turn off the lights, find a safe space. So routine, almost mundane. We practice, then more children die. Over and over, it never stops. The fact is... American children learn with a gun to their heads. But it's not only them. Every single one of us is threatened by a nihilistic political party and the vampiric politicians who have sold their souls to the moneyed interest of death. Their deceitful rhetoric and their dishonest solutions disgust me. We know and they know that they need to impede real solutions because they are enthralled to, per to the perverse NRA and the paranoic far right. Those fools who suggest we turn our schools into armed camps are the cowards who won't change a thing. They'll politicize what books we can read, what history we can teach, what words we can or cannot say in a classroom, but definitely not a room full of dead fourth graders. Personally, I'm tired of the phoniness, dishonesty, fecklessness, and moral cowardice of Rubio, Scott, DeSantis, of Abbott, of Cruz, McConnell, and of Trump, of the not-so-Supreme Court, and the entire brood of crackpot wannabe gunslingers with their performative patriotism and crypto-fascism. 
More than that, I'm tired of imagining Americans screaming in terror in bloody classrooms, churches, grocery stores, movie theaters, clubs, concerts, parks, offices, and homes. Terrorized everywhere, always in this land. And I'm so damn tired of seeing families having to mourn their deepest loss by some makeshift memorial in semi-automatic America. Who can comfort them? Rachel is weeping for her children. We must realize by now that our struggle is one we must pursue without them. There is no compromise with a morally bankrupt party or negotiating with those who can stroll through the carnage at our schools, shrug their shoulders, turn away and mumble thoughts and prayers. They don't love their so-called God-given right as much as they enjoy the suffering of the Republic. But we're not helpless, as heartbroken as we may be. We can mobilize to reach every voter who can no longer stomach this violence. We can hold the mealy-mouthed politicians accountable. We can remind them every chance we get of the faces of the victims. We can force them to answer questions they seek to avoid. And we can force them to examine our scars and their shame. So don't move on. Don't let the pain fade. Don't allow them to explain it away. Volunteer for organizations like the ones here today and for candidates who will fight for gun reform. Donate your time, your money, your all. We can staunch the bleeding. We can heal. We cannot bring back the dead, but we can give meaning to their memories. We have to. Our lives are at stake too. Gun control now. Woo! So fucking good. Is it good? Oh, so fucking good, Tina. Oh my God. So good. It's so sad like and i'm i'm nervous i'm like i hope i no you'll be great i'm allowed great i'm really proud of you and i'm gonna be reading it from my phone so hopefully don't have your hands shaking too much i know take a deep breath that's why go as slow as you want to go i know you got three minutes but fuck them you're more important than anybody else you're in the fucking classroom every day fuck these motherfuckers does it feel teachery enough yeah I mean, it's there are a lot of very big words that I don't understand. So yes, Um, but it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I'm proud of you. Thank Thank you for doing this. Thank you for standing up and saying something and for always representing the muck in the best way. I represent in the worst way. Oh, please. (laughs) Thank you to Nancy um, Fry who put this whole thing together. Yes, absolutely. Good Um, job. It's just, but you know, we have to do this on a Saturday, on a beautiful Saturday. That's all right. Listen, go get it done. I love you. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I, when I, you know, I think about my children, but I also think about you. I think about my sister in the classroom. I think about your husband in the classroom. I think about what the fuck I would do if I lost any of you in the classroom. Oh I would, I, just, I would be out of my mind. So it's, it's I, I'm it's sorry scary. that you have to do that as a teacher. I'm very, very you know, sorry. Like you didn't get into this to be a fucking security no. guard or a protector. That's a, you, that wasn't you just, your, your point of getting no. into teaching. So no. it's fucked up that, you, that this is a part of your job. I'm so sorry. And I'm glad that you're there. I'm glad you're going to do this today because they need to hear your voice and tell them you're scared too. Tell them this is fucking scary. Like being a teacher in these things is fucking scary. Yeah. I mean, it's fucked up. You're amazing. Okay. Oh God. (gasps) All right. Are you ready? Oh, (gasps) bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.